Hey everybody, welcome back to the Inverse Podcast. We hope you're well. Hey, for today's episode, we've got the incredible, legendary Australian comedian Tom Ballard. But before that, Jared, you've got a little bit of exciting news for everybody. Jared and Kat are having a baby boy, aren't you guys? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're crazy excited. This is um, <laughs> uh, my first child, which is going to share my DNA, um, as opposed to um, my other kids, which is amazing and wonderful and... Um, Cat's doing all the work, and I'm just trying to be supportive. Sounds incredible. Sounds like a Christmas miracle. Uh, in fact, it's going to be an Easter baby. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah. So uh, Anastasios was suggested by friends in Albania. I'm not sure if I'll get that past Cat, but keep the name suggestions rolling in. What's the What's the the male anglicised version of that? Ah, uh, that's it. So. Uh, Anastasia is the the female, so it means uh, resurrection. Um, okay. The, the Greek, yeah. yeah, yeah. So no, no. So, so really exciting season for us. It's amazing. That's really really cool. And uh, you've also got plans to do a little bit of walking. Is that correct? <laughs> just to just to spot a walking uh, there. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited about this, Dave. <laughs> I haven't felt this since. Um, uh, it's the same feeling I had when First Home Project w- was starting. It's the same feeling uh, just before uh, participating in the first Love Makes Away action. Uh, it's that same feeling just before going to Manus. So I, I have that strange sense that this isn't just an intention but actually a provocation that I'm actually responding to something without going thus safe for Lord. But I woke up in the middle of the night last week uh, couldn't remember the dream, but wrote down uh, walk the Irish border. And I woke up the next morning, realised that um, the dates, if I did do this, would be the proposed um, Brexit date. So um, I contacted our mate Johnny, who others might remember from the uh, podcast we did together about his work with Anne Cohen in the south yep. of Northern Ireland. Yeah, yeah. And Johnny's like, this is really weird. Um, I've actually got the BBC here at the moment. Uh, they're interested, I'm coming, and there's already 20 people who are going to walk the Irish border as a peace pilgrimage with us. So um, if you're uh, in Ireland or Northern Ireland and want to, or elsewhere, and just want to come on a peace pilgrimage with us um, at the start of November, you're more than welcome. That sounds, sounds fantastic. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Hey, also, just wanted to quickly grab your thoughts on, I know that we had the climate protest and then we just had an Extinction Rebellion protest where people got arrested in Sydney and things are kind of shaping up and heating up for the the climate activism. Uh, and then on the back of our podcast that we had last week, you know, what do you, where do you see the, the shape of climate activism going? Where do you see us hopefully moving towards as a nation in, in terms of that. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, Dave, this is probably the first time in a decade where um, there is this large groundswell. And even though the, some of the media reporting um, are still tending to miss the larger scope of what's actually happening, where they talk about bizarre actions of people hanging <laughs> from the bridge instead of the bizarre actions of like politicians not responding to... Um, our ecological crisis and the, yeah. the reality of the climate catastrophe. Yeah. I think people are waking up. So we're um, excited. Future episodes, um, we have Dr. Byron Smith uh, coming on. We have uh, 
uh, climate scientist, um, uh, Dr. Uh, Mick. Oh, Mick's a good mate. So on Mick Pope. It's yep. embarrassing. I couldn't think of his name <laughs> off the top of my head. Um, uh, I- indigenous theologian, uh, Dr. Danny Zacharias. Beautiful. And, and others coming on to help people be resourced about um, thinking through the uh, the beauty and breadth of the scriptural witness and our ecological crisis. So that's uh, coming up as well. Fantastic. And just as we're about to head into the episode, do you want to give the audiences, we're going to have to give a language warning on this episode that we're about to have with the uh, with the great, great, great late night, former, and, and, former and future late night host, uh, Tom Ballard. Uh, we're going to have to give a, a language warning, but did you want to give us a... Other than being like an incredibly insightful, funny satirist, uh, do you want to tell us a bit more about Tom? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess for people, this would be like eavesdropping on Tom and my relationship. Um, him as a, um, a atheist comedian who opened up uh, the, the atheist conference with uh, Richard Dawkins a number of years ago, but because of his involvement in activism, has met a bunch of Christians who actually look like Jesus and they interest him as an atheist. And so you'll hear us go back and forward on a passage that he has chosen, his fascination with the person of Jesus, and uh, I think it's a, a cracker episode in terms of his challenge for Christians to be on about what Jesus is on about. I'm very excited. I've been listening to it and I'm very, very excited for people to, to get their ears around it. So... Yeah, well, why don't we jump on into the episode with Jared and Tom Ballard. Tom Ballard, ex- comedian extraordinaire. Yes. Um, uh, former and will be again TV personality. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Christian TV? Can I get into that market? That's, that's I'm good. not the guy to ask, Tom. No. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's my... Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll pass on some numbers your way. Thanks. Um, uh, Thanks for leading us in Bible study, um, helping helping me understand what it is to follow Jesus. How would you describe uh, yourself spiritually, religiously, any of the above? (laughs) No, no. I hope I'm less of an asshole about it these days, but I'm a pretty ardent uh, atheist, I guess you could say agnostic in the the most extreme definition of it. Yes. I can't be a hundred million percent sure, but I certainly live my life as if there is uh, no God or no Buddha or no Vishnu and no afterlife. I think this is pretty much it. Mm. And I just try to be the best person that I can be and I regularly fail at that. But no, no spiritual going on. Am I the first atheist on the show? Uh, I think you're the first person. We've had some people say that they're agnostic. Yep. Yeah, so I think you're the first person who would say, I live as an atheist. Yeah. I uh, don't feel too bad. So do most Christians. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, uh, but I find far more interesting where where you're coming from. I, I saw your latest show last night. Mm-hmm. And um, to spoil it for everyone so no one sees the show, one of the big punchlines at the end is Jesus yep. and socialism. Yeah. Which brings us to today's text. Um, <laughs> but before um, we open up Mark 10 uh, a little, what's been your experience of the Bible? Like, 
when do you first remember encountering Bible? Was it something that was in your school system? Was it something that um, uh, a friend at school had in their lounge room? Like, what's what's your first kind of memories of? Um... I mean, like you know, interactions with Christianity would be mainly through Christmas. I guess, like a lot of kids, you know, you're at Christmas and Easter, you have a vague idea that Jesus is involved in some way, but you're really focused on the material goods and the chocolate. I remember my grandma on Easter Sunday, you know, coming down, we'd get chocolate and she'd say, he has risen. And you had to say, he has risen indeed. Uh, but That's I, about the Easter bunny, right? Yep, the yeah, Easter bunny. Could, the Easter yeah. bunny is risen. Again. So we, we lie to children about Santa and the Easter bunny and yes. then go, hey, but believe the other, yeah. <laughs> believe the other good stuff. Yeah. And then even though I went to a government primary school, which is supposed to be secular, we did have religious instruction. Um, and uh, an old, uh, uh, older priest man came along. He seemed like a lovely man. Um, and he would tell us the stories uh, from the Bible. Seemed to be religious instruction, very specifically about one religion. And that did sort of tick me off a little bit. Yeah, sure. Um, we sang that song, God is Good, all the time, which I really think, you know, sounds like a culty brainwash song. <laughs> and I tried to get out of it. I think I tried to get my mum to write me a letter uh, to get me out of that class, which, again, is just just nuts. I don't, I don't know if this still goes on in government schools in Australia, but a little bit silly to me. And you grew up in New South Wales, yeah? No, Victoria. Country oh, Victoria. Victoria. Yes, oh. Country Victoria. Um, yeah, my, my parents are both um, atheists as well, I think. Mm. We didn't have much uh, yeah, religious instruction at all, but just, yeah, interactions with going to church for weddings or Christmas or Easter. Pretty standard kind of, um, yeah, uh, God-free childhood, really, yeah. Mm. And what... How has that formed you in such a way that you think there are gifts for people who are trying to read the Bible? Like what um, what kind of perspectives and... Because, I mean, even in terms of your comedy show last night, um, Jesus finished at the end of a litany about Helen Keller and uh, Martin Luther King. Yes. That's pretty good company. Yeah. Um, so what kind of different approaches... Do you think that's given you to see what's going on here? Well, I think that <clears throat> I would like to think anyway, and I, I would think this would be a lot of people, not non-religious people's perception of Christianity. Certainly, we get we get Jesus kind of, we get the idea mm. of this dude, and we and you hear about the messages and stuff, and you're on board the idea of the stuff that Jesus says. You know, mm. I mean, that's kind of moral philosophy kind of 101, you know, treating other people the way you would like to be treated, being kind, showing love to people, even if you don't know them, um, recognizing the important stuff of life isn't material goods and such. It's, it's actually the way we treat other people and, you know, being happy with one another, um, not turning people away because they're uh, lepers, you know, mm. that comes up a lot of my life. <laughs> um, all that's good. The, the stuff that just drives me nuts or confuses me or angers me is um the claims about things that just did not happen and the literal beliefs in those and uh and the hypocrisy the constant hypocrisy sure. you know the 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 standard set by jesus i, I think a, a reading of jesus in very good faith uh, so to speak and a you know <laughs> looking at the best of jesus and then look at the way 
the church manifests itself in the world or the way that people who would propose to uh, love you also tell you that you're wrong or broken or sinning because you love someone of the same gender or because of your gender identity or what have you. Yeah, that stuff just drives me drives me nuts, and there's a big big turn off. Was that so? Fix all that, and yeah. I'll I'll come I'll come to church. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, um, by the time we leave, uh, you help me be a better Christian. Um, <laughs> was that experience that you're describing in the abstract? Did that happen in the concrete for you? Like, were there people who did Bible verses in kind of awful ways that I'm trying to think I mean I never I knew some people who went to religious schools um, and you know when I came out um, I would have had a few maybe one or two conversations with them I never had anyone in sort of authority directly tell me to my face that I was a sinner but uh, it's quite easy to find in this world you mm. know particularly when you're growing up you know you're in, in your uh, teenage years uh, during the Bush presidency, mm-hmm. um, you know, and learning about America and the kind of wackiness that they get up to, or uh, under John Howard, you know, it's, yeah. it's out there. It's in the culture. It's in, you know, the marriage, the marriage equality debate has sort of raged on throughout my um, adolescence and now into adulthood. It's constantly there. Um, I remember once I was in Airlie Beach on holiday. I, I, I went went away to try and do some writing, and it was so hot I didn't get anything done. And uh, I just, one night I was hanging out by, by the beach and started talking to some missionaries from the US who had come over. I think, you know, quite, yeah, Queensland's got a lot of uh, a lot of folks who are evangelicals. And it's been a bit of time PNG, I think, and then they're in uh, Queensland. And we we got to talking and they loved telling me all the good news. And then eventually I sort of, you know, explained that I was gay. And, and they were just like, uh, yeah, look, look, that's fine that you're gay. You know, don't worry. God still loves you. Jesus still loves you. And that's that's fine. They, You know, we hate that sin that you're doing, but we love the sinner. And it was just very annoying. It's <laughs> <laughs> generous. Yeah, very annoying. Yeah. Yes. Which is fascinating in terms of the passage that you've chosen because um, it is about eternal life. And it's... Not Jesus kind of going, hey, everyone, there's like no reason for you to be rejected. There's actually what might be described as crude class warfare being waged <laughs> by, by Jesus that um, the church has worked very hard to ignore and yes. instead pick on people such as you. Yes. Um, and then we don't have to look at any of the stuff that Jesus actually talks about. Yep. Um, why, why this passage? Why choose... Uh, a passage about Jesus and economics and do you want to, do you want to read the passage read for those that, yeah sure sure it's mark 10 uh, 17 for all of those of you reading along <laughs> as Jesus started on his way a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him good teacher he asked what must I do to inherit eternal life why do you call me good Jesus answered no one is good except God alone even though he is God I'll I'll just, like, I won't critique as we go. You know the commandments? You know the commandments. Sorry, wrong inflection there. Can we take that again? Do you know the the commandments? Because I completely forget them. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honour your father and mother. Very heteronormative there, Jesus. 
Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Boo hoo. (laughs) Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, (laughs) Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. And here's the bit that the church often leaves out um, where, where do we get up to yeah peter peter said to him uh we've left everything to follow you you know self-justifying uh, yeah. we're cool though yeah disciples like the church like surely we're i tell you the truth jesus replied no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age homes brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them persecutions. The prosperity preachers always leave the, and persecutions, you can expect that as well. Um, (laughs) There's a little bit of Markian uh, realism. Uh, And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Why this passage, Tom? Well, it's a little bit funny to me. (laughs) (laughs) Just like a guy going... Man, I'm a good person. I'm loaded. I'm going to go talk to this Jesus guy. He's going to let me know how I get into heaven. It's going to be sweet. Maybe there's like a Qantas club situation as well for like richer people in heaven. That'd be cool. And then uh, Jesus is like, oh, yeah, you're going to sell all that stuff and you got to help the poor uh, if you want to hang out with me. And uh, just that idea that uh, it is very hard for a rich, rich man to enter the kingdom of God to me, sort of recognises a whole lot of uh, truth around the amassing of personal wealth, Yeah, how that in and of itself is an immoral act when other people are starving and when poor people have nothing. And um, it, to me, it's just like A-grade, pure-cut hypocrisy that uh, the Christians I see kicking around in this country and all over the world at the moment you know, you, you can't get more stark if they truly love and believe in Jesus. Um, how can they have $200 million or how can they consider yeah. themselves to be good Christians? Um, so I, th- I just think about it a lot. I was, th- was going to write something about it, I think, at some point for this new show, but I didn't get around to it. I was reading a little bit that there might have been a translation thing and that camel's, camel's not quite right, that it, it was going to be some of the word about rope or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mean, That's way more boring. We've, we've worked for <laughs> 2,000 odd years to allow this text to mean something else. Yes. Like done impressive acrobatics to try and <laughs> it not say it's... It's easier for Gina Reinhardt to fit through the slot in an ATM yes. than it is for a rich person <laughs> to get in on the reality of God's future. Uh, now, surely it doesn't mean like, and you hear other people say, "Isn't it about a gate um, on the side of a, a wall?" And unless the camel took off everything else and humbled itself and knelt down, then it could get through. I mean, that might preach. It's just not historically true. Mm. Like, you see that show up, I think, in the first time in the 13th century. 
Um, everybody wants it to mean something other than Jesus saying that, um, well, it's one, like, we don't understand what heaven is or what the kingdom of God is. And two, we don't want to understand anything Jesus has to say about economics. We want it all to be about pelvic politics and let's, <laughs> let's leave it there. Yeah. And that way we can keep picking on people such as yourself, Tom. Yes. And your use of the C word on the ABC. <laughs> Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> Compassion. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's also a funny visual, which is good. Like as a comedian, as a writer, yeah. it's just like, you know, you, you just, you can see it in your head. You'd be like, mm, I know what a camel looks like. And the eye of a needle is really small. So that would be really hard. What's I get it. What's the smallest aperture I can imagine? <laughs> and what's the biggest animal I've seen? Yeah. Good writing, Jesus. Good, well good gorilla poetics right there. Um, and I haven't read the other versions, but like what in Matthew and Luke, this is the, you know, similar stories there. Yeah. Yeah, so um, they call it the synoptics, which is a fancy way of saying that they're all kind of from the same vantage point, while John's gospel, the fourth gospel, is heaps different. Mm -hmm. And this story is important. It makes the cut in three of the... So in terms of the directors putting together all the footage they've got, yeah. this features really strongly. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the times where Jesus is asked about life eternal or eternal life. Um, and... His answer has got nothing to do with, have you prayed a sinner's prayer? Have you, have you accepted me into your heart? Mm. Um, uh, but instead, it's got to do with wealth redistribution, which again like, raises really interesting questions about what is, what is this kingdom and what's going on? So, I mean, if you were to have a crack at what you think eternal life or the kingdom of God is in how you've heard Christians in larger society or social media or what do you think the general idea is for most people what what's the carrot that's dangling Tom what, what, what's on offer <laughs> well I don't know I mean for you know for people who who uh, do for the God botherers for the for the, for the people out there who are on board and love it for for God botherers for for real dedicated uh, religious people um, now and throughout time it seems to me that um, you know death's real scary mm. and the fear of death is a big old motivator to um, to to have an out of that to to perceive one's existence continuing after death even mm. though all the evidence we have forever, whether you see a dead person or hear about someone dying, is that they stop and they don't keep going, don't keep existing as, as we know them once their brain stops working. You know, that's a very attractive proposition. Mm. And, you know, looking around life and the world and not having a whole bunch of answers, the, the desire to have some place to go to where all those big questions are answered is also is also very attractive i think hmm. and also a desire for justice i think people want to, you know the, yeah. this idea that if you're you're an absolute asshole from the day you're born to the day you die the, the idea that you can get away with that doesn't seem very fair yeah unfortunately i think that is how it works yeah 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 <laughs> i'm afraid that is how it works i think once your brain stops working that's the end of you everything that we know you as you finishes we live on in this world through 
uh, our actions and the memories of others, but we don't actually carry on anywhere else, and there is no great moral judgment of our of our actions um, by a by a creator of the universe. Bummer. That would be a bummer, but also it makes you ideally, and I don't practice this every day, but you you know it's supposed to make you love every day. Yeah. So I would hope that the idea of heaven. You know, the metaphorical moral goal that we talk about when we talk about heaven would be a place on earth, mm. to use uh, <laughs> to use the cliche. And or Jesus' prayer. Jesus' prayer, yes, 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 yes. yes. Father or the Lord's prayer on earth as it is in heaven. Yes. It's a big part of it. That's a big part of it. Let's work on that. Yeah, yeah. let's make uh, this, this life that we have the best it can be, make it heaven for everybody. And that's why I'm so interested to have this conversation with you is that um, not giving any wriggle room to ask God botherers about what's happening in this passage because uh, I think you've accurately um, summed up what those terms mean for for a lot of people but for both um, this rich young fella as a Jewish person in the second temple period in the first century and for Jesus as a um, messianic figure, that is like a, a a revolutionary who's got a claim of kingship over that of Caesar, um, the term kingdom of God is much more about the second than it is the first. Mm. So it's not about pie in the sky when you die, but surely one day things are going to be fair, mm. like that they're going to be just and... And the ridiculousness of the centrality of my faith saying Jesus is raised from the dead is saying um, death doesn't have the last word. Mm. Love does. And so you can get busy actually getting rid of your possessions and sharing with others because uh, it's actually started. It's underway. As ridiculous as mm. that is. And um, the New Testament is quite clear that it's pretty foolish and uh it's even worse if jesus isn't ridden from the dead we're fools to be pitied amongst anybody else like that's that's crazy business um which is where this starts to actually get pointed i loved your blah 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 as you're reading you know, <laughs> uh, because it's one of the subtleties um and it's in it's in this gospel but not in the others but jesus actually quotes the bible wrong which is either Jesus doesn't know the Big Ten, yes, um, God's top ten, which yes. for a Jew would be very odd, for a <laughs> rabbi it would be even stranger, or he's actually like having a dig. So um, the stuff that so in terms of uh, the, the ten words or the ten commandments, um, uh, the first four are about honouring God, and the last six are kind of like about ethics, mm-hmm. and Jesus jumps straight to the ethics bit. And instead of um, it being about do not covet, he says do not defraud. So there's stuff around do not steal, um, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, um, which is, and then care for your mother and father, which was the social equivalent of um, you're responsible for those who were responsible for you, mm. don't just put them in a retirement home, mm. which um, we also ignore now as well. <laughs> Unless it's being run by a church. They can profit from that business, in which case, yeah, go for it. We, and that has worked out sweetly. <laughs> no royal commissions Not needed there. Maybe. Um, but basically, Jesus is saying, like, where did this dude get his wealth? And he's saying it's through defrauding. 
Right. Like he, he's going, you know, you know the stuff about um, don't steal? Mm. That's how you got wealth. How, mm. how did you end up the landed gent- gentry here? Mm. Like um, the stuff around uh, do not give false testimony. And so he comes up blowing smoke and it's like, Jesus, good teacher. Yeah. It's like so social form should have been that Jesus should have actually greeted him like, oh, thank you for that lovely introduction. And I want to acknowledge uh, your kind donation and yeah. what you can bring to our organisation. Um, not that the church struggles with that today. We're great at truth telling and not stealing and our churches <laughs> aren't on stolen land. And um, our wealth isn't through defrauding. <clears throat> Shut up, Tom. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't say anything. Um. <laughs> You ended last night by talking about socialism. Why? Did I just give away the punchline of the whole show? No, no. I'm sure people are, would, would suspect <laughs> at the very least. Um, he worked for the ABC. This yeah, is close enough. <laughs> Look, I haven't done all the reading, okay? I haven't read Capital. And I, didn't, I dropped out of uni after six weeks and there's probably a lot more thinking and I don't have all the answers, but I just, over the past year and... Well, maybe even a little bit longer. My politics has just got to a point where it's just very clear to me that at the heart of a whole bunch of problems we got going on is is capitalism. Hmm. This economic system almost, you know, people criticise Marxism for this, but so many problems, major problems, particularly existential ones facing the world at the moment, come back to this, this you know, neoliberal capitalist system that is just sort of killing things at the moment. Hmm that perpetuates greed and misery and violence and environmental destruction. And, um, you know, I, I don't know how, how it would work for socialism to fix all those things, but I just think when I'm starting to think about what my politics are, you just sort of have some basic entry-level ideas or values. And mm. if, if your belief is, nah, capitalism is good or we can save it and it just needs the right people or the right rules to be introduced in order to get it back on the right track i think you're you're far more naive than a socialist is to to be honest (laughs) and i think that you know surprise surprise the people who benefit the capitalists the people who are doing quite well out of the system um want to do everything they can to undermine the legitimacy of ideas like hey maybe a society that has billionaires going up at the same time as the homeless population is 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 wrong mm. and it wouldn't be immoral to take someone's money if they've got heaps of it to give someone else basic services mm. um and it's kind of exciting because it feels like there's something happening there's a little bit of hope uh in the world around bernie sanders or jeremy corbyn or people my age you know i, mm. I mentioned the show there's 59 percent of Australian millennials think that capitalism has failed. 58% have a favourable view of socialism. That's from the Centre of Independent Studies, who are very much on board with capitalism. And they get those results and they go, look at this horrible results. Young people are losing their minds. And people like me go, nice. (laughs) Nice, guys. We're doing something right, you know. Mm. Um, Yeah, that's just sort of at at the heart of it. Well... So as a materialist, um, if, if you were to take this program, what do you think Jesus is actually like that? That's why I'm like, let's read this crazy stuff at the end. Mm. Um, uh, 
because there's there's lots of different socialisms um, and a lot of people jump straight to a Leninist, Stalinist or Maoist kind of visions of communism yep. and an authoritarian proletariat government um, as a stage to the final communism. Yep. Um, Marx interestingly said that the apostles, as in this bunch that we've just read about, they failed to bring the kingdom of God because they failed to bring it by force. Mm. So Marx's reading on what the kingdom of God was about is this kind of future mm. that um, while earlier in Mark's gospel, Jesus says, actually, this is a present reality. Um, but there's that also this future part to it as well. Um, I know a lot of people who freak out with talk of socialism because it sounds violent mm. or that um, uh, we're going to have to put our relatives up against the wall <laughs> when time for revolution comes. Or we've just spent enough time on a university campus that um, if we're not being hassled by fundamentalist Christian groups, we're being hassled by fundamentalist Trotskyites. Yep. Um, where do you sit with all of that? Like, well, I should say democratic socialist. You know, that's like always a key word that's always very helpful to put in there. <laughs> Martin Luther King thought so as well. Yes, that's yeah. a really big one, that one. The whole democracy bit. Um, look, again, I don't know my Russian history. I couldn't tell you the difference between Trotskyists and who are and, and clearly Mao, you know, fucked up real bad <laughs> with that whole starving thing. Um, and I don't know, like, how Soviets would work or working working people's councils. I, just, I don't know. Mm. Um, but, but just the basics of redistribution um, are appealing to me. But, you, sorry, you're asking about sort of violence and such. I am not a violent person at all. I think, you know, nine times out of ten, uh, violent struggle results in really bad things, makes matters worse, mm. and um, is awful. But I think that there is a level of hypocrisy um, again, sometimes when people judge those who want to engage in um, violent mm -hmm. resistance to authoritarianism, to fascism, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for Antifa a lot of yeah, the time, totally. to be honest. I think yeah. what they're doing is, um, is really important and powerful. And I think to deny the fact that fascists, rising fascism shouldn't be met with um, violence is kind of nuts because... You know, you're talking about people whose ideology is inherently violent. Like, mm. if you're a white nationalist, imposing white nationalism mm. uh, is going to see a lot of people die. And I think... And the reality yeah. of, like, friends of mine like Tracy Blackman or Cornel West mm. or Lisa Sharon Harper would be dead if they weren't defended yep. in terms of Charlottesville. Like, yep. you interviewing Cornel West in Brisbane mm. wouldn't have happened mm. if... They weren't there because a lot of people who have a um, critique from a lounge room were in their lounge room. Yeah, yeah, and it's and 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 that's been a big part of it too. And you might, you, do you know, Chapo Trap House? Have you heard of that uh, mm. podcast? It's a podcast. Um, they're part of the Dirtbag Left, very popular podcast <laughs> that have sort of you know summarised. They're part of the Democratic Socialists of, of America. All their members in 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 um, right America. They're part of this Bernie moment, and listening to their 
uh, podcast has, has made me think a lot about this idea of civil discourse and a centrist idea, which is very much tied into neoliberalism, this idea that we can debate ideas and the free market of ideas and the best ideas will win out and that will be fine. I don't think that's true. I just don't think that's a, a political reality. And I'm much more interested in people who agree with me on the left organising really well and getting shit done. Mm. And I'm not interested in convincing people in the centre so much as I am you know, getting them out of positions of power and getting the right people in mm. um, through electoral politics, through organising, through through lobbying. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, there's some people who think this text is about the rich man instead of it actually being about... Desmond Tutu um, would describe it as God's dream, mm. that God has a dream for, for all things. Um uh, the language here is, is kingdom of God or eternal life, which a Jewish understanding um, is something that isn't the afterlife. It's after the afterlife, if you like, when when all things actually come back together. It's a physical reality. Mm. Um, so the ridiculous belief in resurrection that I hold to, I think should make Christians the kind of materialists that should rival Marxists. Like, <laughs> this moment matters because this moment is actually the stuff of eternity mm. right now like this is um this is where it happens this is where it's breaking in and the these kind of references jesus has to um not defrauding um it, it, it's like a hip-hop artist like quoting um grandmaster flash or or, mm. or something um today and people who know their hip-hop history are like snap like, that's, <laughs> that's because this is about a sabbath vision this yeah. is why our jewish friends like um don't make plans to party with them on a friday night or saturday because uh they have rest to do mm. um despite capitalism thinking it's the only word to be spoken yeah they're commanded to actually nope we've got to chill out yeah um no penalty rates for you on the Sabbath. That's so, right. Yeah. Thank you, Judaism, for weekends. Yeah. Um, part of that, like, once a week vision was once every seven years vision was once every 50 years. It's where we get the term Jubilee for 50 years. And it's about wealth redistribution, um, uh, people who had debts being freed from those debts, so the end of any forms of slavery. Mm. Um, so generations wouldn't... Uh, continue in that part of what happens down the bottom where jesus was like look your family's going to turf you out because i think you're a radical idiot mm. but you're going to have a family and people who are joining you in the revolution mm. and you'll have fields and homes that's tom's house is now my house mm. and jared's house is now tom's house but there's also persecutions as well so it's like it's a realistic utopia mm. but it's a program which is actually starting now have you seen anything that looks like that where you can actually point to uh, i don't mean christians actually living that um that would be wonderful mm. <laughs> um but just anybody who's taking seriously what does democratic socialism look like in practice in such ways that we relate to each other as family mm. instead of um the tight nuclear family kind of model and we relate to property as being shared goods rather than other things that give you hope like have you seen have you stayed at communes or <laughs> uh i've not had a lot of uh commute experience in my life 
You're missing out, Tom. I, I, it sounds great. It sounds really good. I see a lot of it in the refugee advocacy space. I mm. see people opening their homes yeah. um, to, uh, to, to people fleeing persecution and people who have nothing. Which has been a big part of my, you know, from hardcore Christopher Hitchens fans to being much more chill about people's religious faith. Because I've seen, you know, through doing a little bit of refugee advocacy stuff, just again and again, people of extraordinary faith, such as yourself and, 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 and fellow people that we know, um, you know, dedicating their lives to actually living that and, and helping people who need it. Well, that's there. Um, you know, you see, and this is a sort of, you know, capitalist vibe, but you hear about more democratic workplaces, right? Like mm. where workplaces, businesses where the workers actually own the profits and share yeah. them um, equally and make decisions about what the business can do. They succeed better. They do better. Mm. People are happier. They're not dreading waking up every day, going to a hellish job to survive. They feel invested. They're owning the, the business that's going on there. And, you know, I, I'm convinced that bosses drive us insane and mm. so if you take that away that's that's exciting but also i'm i'm skeptical of um personal practice being held up as the uh as, as vital policy. yes yeah. yes and yeah. you'll get you'll get that a lot we're so individuated yeah and we're so focused on you know what are you doing that I mean, you get it all the time. You talk about socialism. I mean, someone literally tweeted me the other day saying, do you donate all the profits from your comedy show to the homeless? No, therefore your entire argument is debunked. Now... Take that, Tom. Take that. All your ideas and imaginings and dreaming of a different kind of world (laughs) fell apart in that moment. Useless. And it's very hard because capitalism is everywhere and affects us in so many different ways that you you can't break out of it if you still want to eat. And you shouldn't have you shouldn't have to become <laughs> homeless in order to advocate for a fairer world and more equal uh, redistribution. Mm. Um, but I see it in unions. Yeah. I see it in my generation rejecting and seeing through the bullshit of, of capitalism, sort of waking up and slowly thinking, "Hang on, we're inheriting shit jobs." Mm. Um, student debt mm-hmm. from people who went to university, university for, for free, free. <laughs> yeah. who have multiple houses. Um, we're inheriting climate change that they refuse to do anything about because yeah. our, our politicians think in, you know, month cycles, if that. Um, we've been seriously ripped off yeah. by, by the people who came before us and that's that's nonsense. But there's a lot of us who approach religion as not how do we be saved from that, mm. but how do we actually be saved from our guilt as we participate in it. Mm. Look, I've done all a bunch of rules that in terms of my internalized super ego messages, I'm a quote unquote good person. How can I have a spirituality? Because all this kind of radical stuff as you move around the countryside and not having a home, Jesus doesn't really appeal to me much. <laughs> um, I'm surprised the guy doesn't try and like talk him down as be like, do I have to sell everything? Yeah. You know, I could sell half maybe or something. I wonder if the disciples are like, Jesus, you're an idiot. This is our moment. Be yes. an influencer. Right. You know, be yes. like, he's a CEO of something important and he has land. We've got no place. Like we're like, <laughs> you know, promise of land reform for our people living under Roman occupation. Yeah. He's got some land. Let's start there. Yeah. Like, what are you? That's a bad way to answer. Let me have a go, Jesus. You're handling this badly. Yeah. We need a PR person. 
Jesus is like, no, he's telling another parable. Um, you know what else I get out of that is that, that from the rich man's perspective, he came to Jesus asking for like the spirituality good stuff, which is another indication that even though he's very wealthy, he's clearly got something missing. You know, that's not that's not mm-hmm. it. Like if 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 being rich, you know, truly made us happy and uh and we actually felt okay with this system in which a tiny few can amass great wealth and yeah. live amazing lives. Um, he wouldn't be rocking up to Jesus, you know, and, and being worried about this this nagging sense of guilt. Now, some people yeah. do not have that nagging sense of guilt, and they're psychopaths. Yeah. And they've convinced themselves that they deserve a billion dollars because they've worked really hard. But I, I would say that um, uh, for most people, most normal people, most people I can find solidarity with and, yeah. and see a, a shared future with, know that deep down it's just... It's insane. Yeah. And we know every, we learn the lesson again and again and again. We will find ourselves in a scenario where like you'll see a homeless person or you'll read about something in the news about how insanely tough and horrific life is for some people on this planet. And you're worrying about the fact that you don't have the latest iPhone. Yeah. And you go, that's nuts. I'm going to appreciate life more. And then two days later, you just do it again. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> is part of the um, conversation. Uh, you're listening to with Walter Brueggemann is mm. him talking about the reality of um, our imaginations being captive to to empires that it's actually our desires that are trained in such ways that are so incredibly problematic that we have found ways for the rich to um, we just build build bigger needles yeah like we're, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna and we're gonna disrupt the yeah, needle market and we yeah. turn this into a, a morality play about how to quote be a good person and later manuscripts actually um interpret it uh those who trust in riches instead of um it's difficult for those who are rich mm. it's like no no it's um a later commentary is like trust in riches so as long as you don't you can have all the stuff and people go without. Mm. Just make sure your faith isn't there. Yeah. Um, we, we're brilliant at trying to find a way. And that's why if this story isn't about a morality around bad rich people, but is instead about the nature of God's dream for all things and sharing in it, waking up and participating in it, there can't be any rich people in the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is a reality where people aren't rich and aren't poor. Mm. Like we share together as family, as, as kin, as yeah. brother and, and sister. And so our homes are shared, our, our fields are shared. No one goes without, but you can expect a hard time mm. um, until that reality is everywhere. That's everything that, I mean, there, there's, no, there's no Marxism without... Um, uh, the Jewish and Christian scriptures and taking this stuff and going, no, it wasn't about like disembodied spirits. And <laughs> um, it's actually about what we do with our coin. Yeah. What, what impact do you think it would make if Christians actually took this stuff seriously? Because there's so much debate mm. um, in Australia at the moment about marriage equality, despite the fact that it's passed and it's all history now. Mm. Um, if Christians cared about this stuff, and Jesus talks about these economic realities of Jubilee economics or Sabbath economics or um, distributive justice or however you want to phrase it, 
Wendell Berry uses the term um, the big economy as opposed to our tiny economies that only care about surplusing wealth at the cost of others. Mm -hmm. What difference would it make if Christians actually took this stuff seriously instead of the stuff that we fetishize and fix on? It'd be really good. (laughs) You hear that, people listening? It'd be good. Do that, but the challenge... It's not insurmountable, is it? But... I, I would not, yeah, I would not um, spend a lot of time and energy, energy holding out for that to, to happen, to be, to be frank with you, mm. because the Pope gave his message, his Christmas message about consumerism being bad, mm. and then returned to his city of gold, Jared. Um, oh, sweet. The Prime Minister is this an evangelical Christian who, like, That's right. Right, who just who loves, loves his faith, is really important about his faith, and clearly Jesus plays a very big role in his mind, in his life. Hmm. And, and yet, and yet we'll defend cutting taxes for giant corporations, yeah. um, defend capitalism to the hilt with no critique whatsoever. You know, the treasure is just laid out. The new election is apparently between the, uh, the invisible hand of capitalism and the dead hand of socialism. Um, Prosperity gospel. I know you've talked about it before. Yeah. You know, these these people who who not only just ignore the amassing of wealth, but actually preach getting more money, becoming yeah. richer as a moral good, or or encouraging their followers to turn to God to give them more money. Yeah. Um, who view their business doing well as a blessing from God. Um, seems weird to me. Which is part of the. <laughs> Part of the thing, um, and I was fascinated that so few people named the second thing you named that it's actually about justice. Mm. Like, and that's really profound. And it's one of the things that why karma is attractive, mm. even though it ultimately leads to a car system. But mm. like, it's one of the, there's a reason for it. Mm. And I've got a way to understand the horror of moving through life and senseless seemingly mendacious things happen to people all the time and Mm. it must be because of a past life that makes sense Mm. or like there's there's often so much need to narrate it in such a way so the world seems something other than meaningless Mm. um and it's a very strange story to tell to say the way things are they aren't always going to be um Marxism took um, that same energy and then said, look, we're not waiting for uh, God to intervene or everything mystically to, mm. to one day stand before the lights being switched on and everything and everything being filled with love. Yeah. Um, it's actually about the working people rising up and breaking our chains and actually learning to think and realise that the consciousness of the rich young ruler is determined by his material possessions. Mm. So um, if poor peasants across Palestine rise up violently and take what is theirs, which, you know, Bar Kokhba and other um, messianic figures of the time of Jesus, they mint new coins, start year zero. (laughs) This is a different project. Yet this whole Christian thing is like, um, God's all powerful and uh, here's God and God's fullness on a cross. Um, What would it look like? Oh, like, let me put it like this. I think Morrison's sincere. 
how does he get out of this passage, do you think? Like, what do you think is going on? Like, he would, he would read this. What do you think he reads? Like, if our brother Morrison was listening <laughs> to this conversation <laughs> right now, yes. what do you think he would make of, um, what did he call you? A numpty. A numpty. I'm a numpty, yeah. Um, well, he'd find it hard to hold the Bible because it would burn his flesh, <laughs> having been entered by Satan. Um I don't believe in God. I do believe in Satan. I think I'm like a bit like Bell Hicks in that respect. I think I see Satan everywhere, but uh, not so much with God. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you have much more of an insight into. Like, I literally don't know how it works. And yeah. and, and as, as an outsider, I just this is the thing that it just it's just so hard to get our our minds around. Yeah. Atheists who have come out of religious tradition have like grown up in a very religious family. I, I think always are much better at sort of getting their heads around this. But if you've come to it with, with nothing, I've never sat down with people and this is the first Bible study I've probably ever done in my life, really, apart from religious education in, in private school when we're actually talking about this. This is all a trick to get Tom to do a Bible study <laughs> with me. Um, but, but Jesus is cool, yeah? Jesus is cool. That was the bait right? and switch yes, right there. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I like women now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I literally don't know. I mean, like, you know, we, I mean, he called us numbdies because we criticized, you know, we, we dared on tonightly to um, point out what we viewed as hypocrisy between being a uh, very passionate Christian with, you know, phrases like suffer the children come unto me and, you know, you would think would uh, have a bit of a more open heart. Um, uh, you know, open, I got a, a number of pastors text me and said, did you help Tom write that? <laughs> People were impressed. Oh, like, nice. yeah, people were impressed. Like the the level of inside jokes that it's like, how do they know? How that? do they know that? Yeah, and that's Brady Cottle and, and, and Wyatt uh, Nixon Lloyd, who were very talented. They wrote the song. Um, it was about yes, the hypocrisy between that when it comes to Australia's refugee policies. Um, and I, I just, I just don't, I just don't get it. Um, yeah, but it just seems clear to me that uh, religion has become neutered to a point or watered down or people um the cognitive dissonance that people can have um when they say i'm a christian and that's a private matter that that dictates me but here i am in the most position powerful position in australia and i won't apply any of that ethics stuff that i got from the jesus stuff to the um actual material world that has actual effects on people's lives yeah. um what and was that's the quote from um Tony Blair, we, we don't do God in public. There, there is this, for many, there's this separation of like, um, oh, no, 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 we know what happens when we do God stuff in public. Mm. Theocracy. Yes. Oppressive theocracy. If that's the result of like following your God's teachings, I think you probably need a different God. Like, <laughs> like if the proof of the pudding is in the eating, if you do this stuff in public, if mm. it makes you a dictator, mm. maybe... Um, <laughs> Maybe it's time to upgrade uh, the software that you're running on or something. Like, you know, like it doesn't make... um, But that is a big thing that, like, this gives me principles um, and ideals. So I'll quote Bonhoeffer and Wilberforce and... Morrison did that in his opening speech in Parliament. Sure. Um, And then when it comes to push comes to shove, if I'm going to stand on things that I know to be true. That's going to cost us politically. Mm. And if Christian history teaches us anything, it's that Christians don't think crucifixion is a very good political option for me. Mm. Mm. 
Worst comes to worst, we might have to do it to our enemies, but <laughs> instead of love them. Yeah. Um, Got to blow them up, I think. Yeah. That... But again, you know, cap- this is capitalism's incredible, flexible nature. You know, capitalism can bend itself around um, around Christianity. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if, again, the best reading of Christianity, as I've done said, is, is an anti-capitalist, a democratic socialist approach to the way we organise things. Capitalism could say, "Yeah, sure, whatever you like." You know, here, um, let me sell. Let me sell a critique of me back to you. Yeah. Uh, let me actually make money off this thing that you're reading about how capitalism's bad, and meanwhile, I'm I'm profiting from it. Don't don't expose how I'm keeping the doors open at First Home Project. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, this is, I'm charging this... book tickets for my comedy <laughs> festival show now. You know? Where you can hear about socialism. <laughs> but sometimes we lose the fact that um, socialism is, according to Marx, it is a form of capitalism. Right. Like it's, um, uh, it's a form of capitalism that has breaks, mm. that actually has... Um, uh, and I'm no Marxist. Martin Luther King said, I didn't get my inspiration by, from Karl Marx, but got it from a man named Jesus who said mm. he was anointed to preach good news to the poor. I'm on the same page as ML King. And part of my journey from um, being a card-carrying Christian anarchist was living in the US where um, my dad as a union organiser made fun of my anarchism and said it was about my privilege. Mm. And then I went to the US and saw incredible anarchist communities and I'm like but why are all of us white middle-class university educated students who are trying to share in common Mm. um, and think that voting is redundant while the black neighborhoods that I was literally living in when Mm. I was in the US are all organizing to vote for lesser evil of two options and Mm. think it's essential Mm. Um, and then I was like oh because my ideology comes out of my context and um, I've got some repenting to do. Yeah. Um, and and that's where that's where I actually think the encouragement comes from. That um, uh, in, in terms of like our imaginations, it's impossible. But with God, like even people like Jared can be transformed. <laughs> and the the journey to go okay instead of shrug my shoulders and vote differently in next three to four years cycle, I find interesting questions about how do I actually um, take political engagement to be not merely a policy reality, but a communal reality with how I live Mm. my life. But it's really, I mean, I've been trying to do it since I was 20 years old, living in different forms of communities, experimenting with different kind of economics. That's really tough, Mm. like to do conflict well, to... um, uh, the different ways that people approach money and how it's formed, whether you had it as a kid or you didn't, or um, to either lean in if we build a utopia to model to everybody else, well, the world's still going to burn mm. in terms of climate change. Yeah. Like it's. <laughs> but And just the scope of ambition, right? The, the Labor Party's just announced free swimming lessons for everyone, right? A wonderful policy. That's great. Mm. But you're not lifting New Start. Yeah. Like you committed to a review or some bullshit when anyone could tell you that that basic payment, which has not gone anywhere in the past 10 or 20 years or something like yeah. that. Like how, how is Labour, Labour Party, the supposedly left-wing party of working people, working people. Yeah. Um, seriously not taking up that fight? That's crazy. That, yeah. the, 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 the neoliberal consciousness taking over that party is, is nuts. And, and they're never going to, they don't seem to figure out 
that the people are going to hate you anyway, right? Right-wing people <laughs> are going to say, you know, the treasurer now is saying this is the most radical, dangerous agenda ever. And it's like slightly left of center. Like you may as well go fucking big or go home, <laughs> secure the fight for stuff that you really believe in that will really transform, yeah. you know, working people and poor people's lives. Yeah. That'll win you an election and, and will make you win multiple transform. elections. Yeah. We'll actually do something yeah. as opposed to this, like, you know, small target nonsense. Um, they're going to hate you no matter what. And bread and butter stuff like education. Yes. Like hospitals. Yes. Like things that will actually lead to the kind of work where Jesus has this cracker saying where he's talking about the nature of the Sabbath, which was all about rest and revolution mm. once a week um don't wait for it we're going to do it once a week that mm. was the whole thing from mount sinai when the big 10 came down mm. once a week was a big deal it's one of the things that set us apart and it was like humanity wasn't made for the sabbath sabbath was made for humanity and it's the same with work work isn't god like mm. humanity wasn't made for work yes work was made for humanity yes. um christopher Hitchens uh, was part of the same Trotskyist group with Terry Eagleton, who, have you ever read his book, um, Faith, Reason and Revolution? No, I haven't, no. That's so good. It's, it's like one of the best. Um, he wrote another brilliant book called um, Why Marx Was Right, mm. um, which, uh, again, is hilarious. And he self-describes as uh, uh, never growing out of the immaturity of his socialism um, as a young person, unlike uh, Hitchens, but... He, he just has all these cracker lines the whole way through. And um, uh, one of them is around one of the joys of being a Jew, a Christian, um, or a socialist is an ethic of laziness. That... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I love that quote so much because it does speak to, there's nothing worse in today's society than not always having something on. Mm. Aren't you a person of importance? Mm. Like, how do you balance being a creative mm. um, and the demands of the industry? Like, what do... Because, uh, like, I'm interested in... Uh, I'm not a Marxist, but um, the history of Christian democratic socialism, um, of which Martin Luther King um, is a bold example uh, I feel deeply at home in mm. um, uh, as long as it's embodied with communities trying to experiment it because that's what I see in this passage mm. here. Um, yeah, well, how do you do the creativity um, and the churning to produce kind of stuff? Well, I, you know, I talk about it a little bit in the show, but, I, you know, it's one of the joys of being this, having this weird lifestyle of being not just an artist, quote-unquote, but a stand-up comedian particularly. You know, I'm working an hour a day, and this is the busy season, okay? <laughs> During my TV show, I was working my guts out, yeah. flat out. That was pretty crazy. And there is a level of insecurity to the work that can be a little bit troubling. But generally, and I try to make this point in the show too, I'm, I'm doing perfectly fine. Um, and I am able to look at... This, the, the, the system, the kind of nine to five grind that a lot of people have to go through with a bit of a, an outsider objective view and just go, fuck that. I just can't mm. believe it because capitalism tells you if you're not producing things, if you're not being productive, um, you're not worth much. Mm. 
um, and people who buy into capitalism see that too. That's you know they hate the unemployed and um, they're not making anything. They're not doing things. They're sitting around all day. And it's like yeah, that's great. Don't act like that's not yeah. fun. Yeah. That's that's ideal. That's why we love holidays. Yeah. Um, and you know, Marx has that quote about you know in the utopia you can fish in the morning and hunt in the afternoon and criticize after dinner and you can just do things. You just do yeah. things for the love of being alive. Um, uh, you know, this is argument about work giving people dignity and that kind of thing. And I do love the work that I do, but I also know it's not really work because it's because I love it probably. Yeah. You know, you never work a day in your life or whatever the, the quote is. But, um, yeah, that's not the experience of most people. Yeah, know, 80, that's right. 85% of people hate their jobs. They go to a job they don't connect with. They have to do in order to survive. Yeah. Um, and they're exploited for their labor. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you about another one? I don't, I don't know where it is, and maybe it's a whole other podcast, but the what, what about that Jesus quote about the poor will always be with us? Ooh, is nice there, one. Is there much to that? Yeah, see, this then, um, I was listening to Chance the Rapper on the way here, mm. and he has um, uh, a great reference to MC Hammer's um, You Got to Pray Just to Make It Today, which for a whole generation, like, I'm so impressed that, like, I'm older than Chance, so I know <laughs> what Chano is on about. Yep. But when I was in primary school... I asked mum for hammer pants and that was like heaps important to yes. like social formation is like if you could do the moves yes. from can't touch this, my goodness, <laughs> every primary school party, you were going to be the king. Yes. Um, no, I'm not going to do them for you. Oh. Um, in the same way, we hear that quoted today with no reference to Hannah's album. So Jesus is... Um, uh, um, quoting is at Deuteronomy 15 from memory. Um, people on Patreon can pull me up uh, whether, but <laughs> Jesus is talking about, again, this Sabbath vision, which was going to be the, one of the things where God was seeking a people to show the world a different way of being. And so these people who um, their whole story starts with God hearing the cries, of the oppressed, uh, that's God's people. Like this isn't lifestyles of the rich and famous. It's, mm the invisible violence that our lives survive on that um, people who usually bring up um, questions of, oh, isn't socialism violent, never then move on to that kind of violence, which they were on the receiving end of and their cries were um, uh, mute to most people, just like those who make most of the goods that we use, the phone, the, the metals that are in our phone mm. from um, the Congo and the things that those children are going through to get that those medals and all the rest yeah that's, that's who sorry that's a good point on the on the violence bit yes capitalism is violent as well so i mean but yes, it, it's again, the hidden violence hidden violence like, absolutely I be a and nice then... person and be um faithful to my significant other yeah and uh donate a bit to charity yeah and isn't that the goal yeah instead of actually how do we sensitize ourselves to the cries that life actually designs our neighbourhoods to not have any proximity to those mm. in pain. Yep. Um, and uh, a sign of how well you're doing is how far away you are from the cries mm. that God, according to this good book, mm. hears. A, a part of the things that would have set them apart was um, this practice that every seven days and seven years, then 49 to 50 years, um, the land gets a rest, 
uh, um, debt is uh, forgiven and uh, what people once held was given back. So mm. it's like setting a reset so monopolies mm. are possible and empires don't continue to grow. Mm. Um, or what Karl Marx would go on to describe as a form of socialism, mm. a term that he stole from the Christian and Jewish um, socialism that was in the air at the time and his use of um, Hegel to um, actually strip um, Feuerbach's spiritualism and then serve up a materialist understanding where yeah. it gets rid of all the confusing stuff and let's get to the revolution stuff. Mm. That was the kind of the vision that Engels and Marx were going on. And so in that passage in Deuteronomy 15, it says, um, uh, the poor will always be with you. So yes, you to um, do the forgiveness of debt. Mm. And when Jesus says, forgive them their sins, um, like the Lord's Prayer, which is Christian's big prayer, how it reads in Greek is actually debt. It's first an economic practice. Right. Um, so um, forgiveness of sin was initially forgiveness of debt. Mm. And then that's a metaphor for all of life and what we hold against each other as well. Mm. But it's primarily, according to Jesus, an economic practice that's got to do with this passage, which is actually like the poor you'll always have with you because you will always be with them. Mm. That's where you're to be found. So you have to keep implementing this revolution. Mm. So the um, the ongoing work of Jesus, like announcing um, what he's on about, what, I mean, I know people who have PhDs in theology and will go, oh yeah, there's that stuff about Jubilee, but really it's kind of a high ideal. And in the 20th century, you had um, liberal scholars um, on one side of the Cold War who said things like, oh, Acts 2 and Acts 4, where the church share all in common so no one's in need mm. and everybody um, works uh, according to their means. Language, which early Marxists actually yeah. um, employed, yep. straight from the Bible, yep. stealing some of the early church's best <laughs> stuff. Um, Not stealing because nothing belongs to anyone. That's right. Common yeah. property. Yeah. God, <laughs> God's big into that. Yeah. Um, uh, that... That stuff was the implementation of that program. And these liberal scholars on one side of the Cold War were like, well, it must be must be a metaphor. Like it, it must be, it didn't happen historically mm. uh, because that's unrealistic. Because what's God is capitalism. We can't even imagine that. So Jesus saying the poor will always ha have with us mm. is bringing them back to not don't worry about the poor. Jesus is poor. Yeah. Like foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Yeah. That's Jesus talking about himself and the fact that uh, tonight's probably going to be in the caravan park again because yeah. that's how the movement runs. Welcome to the revolution. Who wants in? Mm -hmm. um, that's, you know, challenging stuff. I have a mortgage. I mean, it might be for a house full of 12 refugees and <laughs> asylum seekers, but yeah. um, still I'm trying to be creative in a certain system mm. and constantly finding myself as, um, oh, Jesus looks at me and he loves me, but can I actually hear what he says? Because that will determine whether I love him or not. And that's, that's hard. Am I found amongst the poor? Apparently they're supposed to always be with us. So mm. where are they? Mm. I, as one South American liberation theo theologian put it, you say that you love the poor. Tell me, what are their names? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And That's I think yeah. I think that is some of the challenge because it um, you can hang out in certain university circles uh, where 
we talk about these things in the abstract, but in terms of the kind of neighborhoods where I've spent all my adult life, mm. um, people have never been exposed to that kind of stuff. Mm. But if you talk about them, that you talk about you setting up a loan system where there'll be no interest and you can get in on it and, in fact, you can contribute to it mm. and we pay it back together, people are like, that's amazing. Mm. You're like, what's that about? And my answer isn't socialism, mm. it's jubilee. Mm. But I know lots of socialists who will go, that's an interesting experiment in socialism. Mm. Yeah. So uh, that's that's some of the... I think Christians have no idea what to do with the economic teachings of Jesus, mm. which other than God's dream for all things, the, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, which isn't a place, it's a presence, according to Jesus. Yeah. Like when he talks about... Um, uh, like then you'll have um, uh, riches in the kingdom of heaven. It's it's a bit like when we actually had banks where money would go to a bank. Yeah. Um, but to enjoy what you've saved up, you don't move into the bank. Yeah. Like it's it's a place where all those things are. Yeah. Um, until it's time to actually cash in, and then they come here. Mm. Um, so. I've seen the kingdom of God, like you visited First Home Project. Mm. Like it might be a little small experiment, but seeing people of all faiths and no faith live together in such way where they care for one another and live on the land in ways that are good news and mm. inspire people to a different kind of... Um, I think that's what Jesus is talking about, not in its fullness, mm. but I think they're the kind of little glimpses we're invited into. Um I don't know. What do you reckon the Paul will always have with us is about? Well, I, I mean, that context is really interesting. I'm sure reading more about it and perhaps this is the um, yeah eternal interest of, of Bible study is that you could yeah look at things in a million different ways. My, my concern was, and a simplistic reading of that was perhaps reflective of an attitude that I see a lot of the time, which is that, oh, there will always be poor people, that we mm. accept the, the, the reality of poor people mm. and there are people at the top and people at the bottom in the system and that's just the way it is and you yeah. just you just got to try and not be one of them, really. Yeah. Um, that's very worrying to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the thing that is breaking that's exciting about this moment now, this political moment, is that people, my generation, I think growing up, you know, I just this feeling of stasis, this feeling like nothing can change, you know, that end of mm. history idea, just yeah, this idea Fukuyama's that... Yeah, the end of history. Yeah, this is yeah. it. You don't change things too much. This is why, you know, la like, yeah. Labor's scale of ambition is so small and we just sort of tweak with the thing and sort of hang around the middle, but ultimately, um, yeah, this is just the way things are and you keep doing this until we die. Basically. Yeah, we just tweak it. Just tweak so it. So here's Labor's tweaks yeah. for um, this is as good as it gets. Yeah. As if, as if you can't radically change, as if things weren't radically changed before. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think people calling bullshit on that is really exciting. Yeah. Because it's, it's crucial. I mean, we need, I'm convinced we need radical change if we want to do, we want to survive climate change for sure. Totally. And, um, and it's important for the left to get real good because if it's not a left-wing radical change, it'll be a right one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think the rise of, like, um, fascists, white supremacist nationalism the reason why it appeals to people is people do we we sense the panic mm. like things are serious mm. and um i mean jesus is the model of messiah that no one wants 
Mm. We want somebody to ride in on a horse, not a donkey. Mm. We don't want them to wash our feet. We want them to bear a sword and make our enemies pay and give us security and take the land back from mm. um, the Romans and that sense of... And this lovely neighbour, lovely enemy kind of... How mm. do you run foreign policy off that? <laughs> like, yeah. um, to Jesus, you can have my heart and and save me from a... Um, very diabolical understanding of of God who needs to punish people for getting stuff wrong. Mm. A God that doesn't look much like Jesus. Mm. Um, a God who doesn't look much like the God of the Old Testament. People go, oh, the God of the mm. Old Testament. I'm like, um, that's some mild anti-Semitism mm. and you don't really know the book. Mm. I look at Jewish people and they usually have a social vision that's pretty bang on, yeah. like that cares about the poor and... Um, so if that's not what Christianity is, I think some of the exciting things of hearing from people such as yourself who um, have some great questions and want to do something other than the neo-liberal fundamentalist atheism of Christopher Hitchens, which I think all the references to Christianity is like, we can't really have a go at Islam, but... Mm. This is Bush, Howard and Blair's war. Mm. And uh, so we'll just say the th things about Christianity that um, uh, instead of let those church leaders who are challenging all three mm. um, from all the traditions they claim to belong to, mm. uh, instead of listening to them, we'll say it's problematic and they can play um, that bit of propaganda. That, <laughs> like it, it's, it has a smugness that I've only ever seen in religious circles. Like it's really quite... Ooh, yeah. Like, can I ask you, do you think churches should pay tax? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I think churches should volunteer to pay more. More tax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be good. Uh, and churches have a, a responsibility. So I've only twice in my life accepted paychecks for churches that I've worked for, but I've worked for churches um, since I was 18 years old. So 2002 and 2016. Um, and both times I had the options of paying uh, less tax. And I know lots of pastors that for moral reasons won't do that. Mm. And I really respect that. Um, and others that go, well, we get paid so little and we're not appreciated and there's such. So it's, it's there. Why not? Is there a union amongst uh, ministers? My mate Chris Bedding, um, yeah. who is a stand-up comedian, he's actually starting a, a religious workers' union. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing how corporate some of the church structures are, and how um, yeah, how how little protection there is. Obviously, given the royal commission for so many of us, mm -hmm. um, but also including those who actually work for churches mm. and um, uh, predatory capitalism mm. at work in hiring and firing and that kind of... Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's incredible that for um, institutions that have had so much to do with, um, like, the, the birth of the... UK Labour Party grew out of 
um, the Wesleyan revivals and um, that so few people know that history and it's seen as like a, a, a nerdy kind of how bizarre yeah. do you do underwater basket weaving as well? Like <laughs> why such um, niche interest? But I think what you're experiencing around like talking to generations who are feeling the same way, that's also true in terms of um, social media has meant that so many of these kind of conversations, which previously went on the hush-hush, mm. um, are just happening. Mm. And people are saying in public things that they didn't. Um, and some of that is reactionary and some of it is like really exciting about how Christians might actually take this kind of Jesus stuff seriously, which, mm. um, yeah. Sell your stuff, everyone. If you're rich, sell your stuff. If you're poor, join your union. And if you uh, would like to move into an Atheist for Jesus community <laughs> with Tom Ballard, contact Tom at... <laughs> Don't contact me, no. I'm right. busy. If you would like to move into a Christian commune with Jared, contact Jared at... Yeah. Hey, thanks, mate. Thank this you, man. Fun.